Non-rock-a-boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go in the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, yeah. I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. No. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when no. they're not. But if he strike him down with an iron object so that he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. And if he struck him down with a stone tool that could use or that could cause death and he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. Or if he struck him down with a wooden tool that could cause death and he died, he is a murderer. The murderer should be put to death. That is numbers 35, 16 to 18. And I don't know what's going on with their audio here. We're having some weird stuff. So if it sounds weird on your end, I apologize. Not sure what's happening. Um, but somebody is, is that you that's <laughs> coming from your computer? It was my phone. It was Zach's phone. <laughs> it was Pastor Zach's phone. <laughs> we couldn't figure out. We're like, where is that coming from? Okay. Because your computer was out. muted, but we yeah. figured the it phone out. was sneak, just laying there sneakily. We, we figured it out. Problem solved. Welcome, everyone, to Apologia Radio. I am Luke the Bear, uh, hosting again today because Pastor Jeff is currently in Denver again. Uh, they have our, We have our rally for uh, Equal Protection Bill this weekend in Colorado, so if you're there within driving distance or if you want to fly in, please do come support that on Saturday. That would be awesome. But I do have... Uh, Pastor Zach, who just introduced himself. Howdy. 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 <laughs> just messing everything up today. It's, a, it's okay. You might know him from shows such as Provoked with his uh, awesome sister, Desi, who probably would have messed it up, too. She would have. That's okay. You guys have the same haircut some days. Really? We do? <laughs> Really? Some days at church, remember, I'll take a picture like you guys, you I'm guys kind of pulled, pulled back, back and like a little yeah. samurai. samurai. <laughs> Not a man bun, samurai. Samurai yeah. man bun. Enjoy uh, the girl, mama, lady. Yep. Hi. That's me. It's really warm in here today. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not wearing, not, you're not even wearing a vest. No, uh, I'm not, but I do have something to show you. Yeah. No, I'm not wearing a vest today, but it is warm in here. It's starting to heat up here in Arizona, and I'm sweating, and the AC sucks. So, uh, But speaking of vests, I have this handy-dandy uh, little uh, vest <laughs> 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 you can put on under your shirt. 
So this is a concealed uh, soft armor, they call it, uh, which is really cool. So say you're at the abortion mill and you don't want someone to shoot you when you're trying to save babies. Great opportunity to wear this. Yeah. You can put it on your shirt. No one knows it's there. Maybe if you're at a rally like this this weekend, you know, you're speaking at a rally. People don't like you. They don't like that. We want to end abortion. Great opportunity to wear this. It's lightweight, soft, fits under your clothes. Yeah. This is, is it, uh it's, is it heavy or is it No. Oh, it's nice. It's it's super light. I mean it weighs like five pounds, I think. Yeah. And uh that is from our uh friends at AR five hundred who we mentioned last week. We are very excited and forgive me because I forgot to pull up the thing. Um I'm very excited to be to be uh partnering with them. They're sponsoring us and I'm just we we're just getting started with, with what uh we're gonna do with them. So um, I just wanted to mention them again. That's AR500. You can go to armoredrepublic.com as their website. Um, and the mission, again, of Armored Republic is to honor Christ by equipping free men with tools of liberty necessary to preserve God-given rights. In the Armored Republic, there is no king but Christ. We are free craftsmen. Body armor is a tool of liberty. We create tools of liberty. So thank you, AR500, for that. We, we, we each got one of those as a gift, and I'll have some more stuff next week, hopefully, as well. But all that to say, uh, today we're going to be uh, talking all about ending abortion. Uh, we got a number of topics we're going to discuss here today, but uh, the first thing we're going to get to is our friend, Representative John Jacob, who I'll bring on here in a second. He's from the Hoosier State, where I grew up. Not originally from there, but I did grow up there, so I'm, I'm partial to the Hoosier State. And uh, he is a state representative. They're running there for re-election. So, John, uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring you in, brother. You tell us, tell us about yourself, what you're up to, what's going on, and we'll go from there. Hey, Luke. Hey, guys. Uh, again, my name is John Jacob. I'm a state representative on the south side of Indianapolis. I am a born-again Christian. Lord saved me over 30 years ago. Uh, I'm married, father, grandfather, six grown children, five uh, grandchildren and uh, love the Lord. Been serving here in Indianapolis primarily, but also in some foreign missions as well in the past. And been doing street ministry, street evangelism, street preaching here in Indianapolis for years, and also ministering at the abortion clinics for years. And part of this, 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 when I got involved in abolition, uh, we had found out about that there was a bill of abolition actually in our state house in the state of indiana that was authored by representative kurt nisley and that was authored back in 2017 by uh, kurt nisley and so we we being the abolitionists here in indiana were pushing our legislators to give a hearing to this bill and also to push it forward and we were just getting really really frustrated with them just because i mean we again we live in a Republican, we live in a very red state. I mean, at least on the surface, we we have a super majority in the state of Indiana, which means we have control of the house, a predominant control of the house. We have 71 out of 100 house uh, out of the uh, representatives on, on the house that are Republicans. And I believe it's 39 uh, out of 50 of the senators are Republicans. Wow. So you would you would think that if if we were able if we wanted to do anything as it relates to the Republican platform that we could get pushed forward, but we don't. So anyway, I had actually been 
preaching inside of the state house, pressing the legislators to repent of their apathy over the issue of the preborn. And, you know, so I'm trying to work at the state house, trying to be out the abortion clinics. We're rescuing babies out there. And all the while, our illustrious Republican establishment is just doing nothing to abolish abortion. But again, doing everything they can to regulate baby murder. Mm. So the opportunity presented itself in 2019 for myself to to run for state representative. I actually had the my incumbent, longtime incumbent from my area, had resigned. And one of my best friends who who got me involved in abolition that I preached with out at the, at the abortion clinics, he asked me if I'd prayerfully consider running for state representative. And well, long story short, I felt like the Lord wanted me to run and actually beat the incumbent that was caucused in. Uh, she had seven times the money, obviously the backing of the establishment. And uh, praise God, I mean, the, the Lord got me in and I've uh, been pressing now from the inside, you know, against the Republican establishment, pressing this abolition bill forward. Uh, I'll, I'll give you more detail also some of the behind the scenes things that were happening that have happened over the last two legislative sessions as well. But I'll let you go ahead and ask questions on that. As, so, yeah, I was going to ask. So what is and, and I should mention that we have been helping some in Indiana. We actually were supposed to do uh, I think it was this weekend. Originally, we were supposed to be doing a rally there in Indiana with you guys. And then I think it, for whatever reason, it got pushed back. So we, we did Colorado this weekend which I think we're still trying to, to get it in Indiana, but uh, uh, between In Abortion Now and Apologia and uh, Action for Life with, with Dennis Arfate, we've been working together to, to help you guys there. So what actually is the status of the bill? Because uh, you you put the bill in again this year, correct? That's correct. We, we, we authored, co-authored the bill again. It was assigned to uh, the Judicial Committee and it died in the judicial committee. So we, Indiana, we, we are a temperate, we, we're not, we, we don't meet all the way, all through the year. So this year we're in a short session. We went, met from the early part of January to about early part of March. And again, the bill died in committee. It never, it never got a hearing, never got, and because it never got a hearing, it was never voted on and it died in committee. And that's, that's the way the establishment wants to keep it. Mm -hmm. As long as they can keep it in committee and they can let it die in committee, the vast majority of people will not know that this bill is actually out there. When I talk, we talk to people on the pro-life front, you know, and I, and I mean pro-life front, not the, not the abolition front, but those in Indiana who are part of the pro-life movement who are, who are abolition minded, but don't know it yet. So we try to educate people and let them know what abolition is about and what abolition is and how the pro-life movement has actually really perpetuated the, the abortion industry. Yeah. And we let them know that there is a bill to abolish abortion. You know, the vast majority of people are very supportive. And they're like, oh, we didn't know that. It's like, exactly. You don't know about it because the Republican establishment doesn't want you to know about it. Right. So that sounds very familiar what happened here in Arizona last year. Um, with our bill and uh so who specifically and okay so is there a chance for it to be resurrected still um i know that's what happened here or is it just completely dead for the year it's completely dead for the year okay. because we what they call signy die so we've already ended our session oh, okay. again about, about the 
about mid mid part of March. Okay. So we will not, that bill will not be able to be reintroduced until the next legislative session, which will be 2023. So again, again, the problem there is, is that, you know, again, representative Nisley and myself, all the representatives are running for reelection. Right. So if representative Nisley and or myself are not reelected, I mean, then we're going to have to look for somebody else who's going to be willing to carry Yes. You know, the abolition bill. Yes. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get into the election cycle here in a minute. Um, but my question is, who is responsible specifically for squashing that? Who can our followers in our little grassroots army we've been building with an abortion now, who can they go after? Who can they put phone calls into or email to? Um, who do we need to let the people know is failing to do their job? Well, you would that would be representative jerry tor jerry tor is the chairman over the judicial committee okay and i know different states different each state is different in the way they handle their committees and mm -hmm. the way the bills move forward but in indiana when bills are, are are authored by various representatives or senators they're then assigned to various committees this the abolition bill was assigned to the judicial committee representative jerry tor was the chairman he the chairman has the absolute power to have the to as to whether or not a bill is going to be heard, whether or not it's going to be voted on, and Representative Tor chose to have the bill die in committee. He never gave it a hearing. Now, you know that would be on the surface. So if they gave you right. the, the if they gave you the answer, they would say, "Oh, Representative Tor has the authority to be able to uh, have those bills heard." But but we all know that the way it works is that the the caucuses in each state are the ones who make those collaborative decisions. And it's leadership that who ultimately make those decisions. So in Indiana, again, I would say it was a Republican, it was a Republican establishment leadership that made the decision to push Jerry Tor to not have the bill heard. Now, that doesn't mean that Jerry Tor's for the bill and he was going against, that he was somehow or another coerced by leadership. These guys get their positions because they do what, they do the bidding Mm -hmm. of what leadership tells them mm -hmm. to do yes exactly and uh so um the, i mean we we talk about this all the time obviously it is the the pro-life industry uh that is ending ending or is allowing abortion to end it's the they're the ones that are ending not allowing the equal protection bills that will abolish it immediately to go through um and so we need to expose those legislators because they're they're fake they're they're false <laughs> Right, they're not doing what they've promised to do, um, and uh, so um, you guys got any questions? I know you were nodding over there. Yeah, what do you think's the way forward in twenty twenty three? I mean, it seems like Jerry Tor is going to be the huge hurdle to get over. Or what is what is your strategy? I mean, as much as you can tell us, but what do you think needs to be happen? How can we prayerfully and actually, like Pastor Luke saying, support you to get to where you need to be? Which is, of course, having that bill voted on so now we can really know who these people are right right now i would say that also jerry tour the, the speaker of the house i mean has an enormous uh, before i answer your question zach I want, to, I want to finish up the other one representative todd houston the speaker of the house speaker houston is would be the other person that people need to contact so they can look up the indiana general assembly and then they can look at their contact information for representative todd houston speaker of the house and also the chairman committee uh, men cherry tour, but to answer your question, Zach, that's a great question. So I think the primary thing that we all agreed on is that 
and we have worked with Hoosiers for Life, which is the abolition organization here in Indiana that's pressing for that, that helped to author the bill of abolition in Indiana back in 2017. And the primary thing right now is, is making sure that, that Kurt Nisley is reelected. Uh, he's been the author, he's been the champion, you know, the lead on this whole thing. And, you know, the other thing is, is, is to see that I get reelected because obviously, I mean, two years, it's just, it's really hard, you know, having to campaign every two years. And if, if, Kurt Nisley and or myself end up not being reelected, it's going to be very difficult for a new person coming in to hit the ground running with this to figure out how to work the, the system. So that's the two main things right now. So we have, we've had a lot of, uh, we've had Hoosiers for Life and other Liberty groups getting behind us trying to get both he and myself reelected. But in addition to that, our plan going forward is, is just to gain ground. We've been calling I've, we've been calling legislators to repent for quite a while in Indiana. Mm -hmm. That's the number one thing. Number two, we've been calling them to to help them understand the issue of abolition. That if they're gonna if they're gonna make the concerted effort to stand against the issue of abolition, we want them to clearly understand what it is that they're standing against. Yeah, you know, if they so at least they understand it, and and I know that they clearly understand it. We've educated them sure. over and over and over. So, and you know, the bottom line is, is that they're just giving in to the typical pro-life rhetoric yeah. and, and they're just, and they're just going along with what they can do to basically get their check mark and get reelected. So we've given them advance notice. We've, we've given them ample time to repent of their apathy and their willful disobedience to God. And they've said no. So again, I'm glad we picked up one other co-author. But so in the meantime, what we've been doing along with this is we've been inspiring other people that are willing to run against the incumbent Republicans here in the state of Indiana. So we've been working with some other liberty groups, and those liberty groups have actually helped to mobilize approximately 25 other uh, representatives who are, I'm sorry, 25 other candidates who are willing to run awesome. against the Republican rhinos that are actually in office right now. Awesome. So, and if those, if those other 25 are, or, or a portion of them are elected, they have, we've already, they've already been vetted. They've, they've been, uh, interviewed and they have flat up just said that they will co-author with the bill of abolition. They will help to push abolition forward in the state of Indiana, along with other things that are constitutionally minded, but specifically since we're talking sure. about abolition, it's on the issue of abolition. Praise God! And of course, I I can't I can't forget to mention our good buddy uh, Darren Stid, who I know works closely with you. He's a very good friend of ours, one of our favorite people in the world. Absolutely. And uh, and so Darren, if you know him or oh, Operation Save America, they work very closely with with our friends here in Indiana. Um, so Darren's, Darren's good, good. Darren's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy. I just talked to him the other day. Um, he remembered who I was too. So that was cool. Cause, uh, yeah, he's recovering some, from his, he his bonked fall, his man. noggin. He's yeah. been having some crazy brainish issues going on. Oh, but, yeah. uh, um, <laughs> so, I love you, Darren. I was giving a hard time when he called me. I was like, Hey, you remember me? Um, so, um, two, two questions I wanted to ask, um, one what would be what what's the big 
pro-life, I say in quotations, win that the Republicans did this year in Indiana. So we can show the distinction between ending abortion and what they're actually doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's, boy. And this one was a kicker for this one. This year, it was coerced abortion. So they actually, and for some reason, Right to Life didn't even really profile this bill on their website, although they, it was touted as being a pro-life win. And that was women who are being coerced into an abortion cannot be coerced into an abortion. And so that if, uh, so, you know, for example, if, if, if a woman is brought to the abortion clinic by her boyfriend, husband, her pimp, whatever, and is being forced into having an abortion, it would now be against the law to actually uh, coerce that woman into having an abortion. Wow. And yeah, and that was touted as a, as a, as a pro-life win. And there's some other things here I'll, I want to address on that one specifically. I had questioned, I, I had quizzed the author of this bill on the floor and she would not answer my question. I asked her a specific, I said, Hey, I said, is this, is this bill going to save babies? And she just kept on saying this bill will keep women from being coerced into having an abortion. I, I kept on banging the drum on this and kept on trying to ask the question in different ways. She would not answer the question because I know she was, she was a newbie and she was just basically doing what she was told to say. And so I just did what I was entitled to do as another representative. And that is to call another representative and ask them to explain this bill. And because I was calling out basically that this bill is basically a big bunch of do nothingness. Mm. Uh, I, I had another seasoned representative who literally after I, I did that on the floor and I was polite about it. I just, just was very pressing about it. He actually pulled me off and pulled me off to the side, off into the hot hallway, started chewing me out and literally just big guy too. I mean, he's way bigger than I am. Just started getting up in my face. I just had surgery and was in a sling and he was just getting up in my face. I honestly didn't know if he was going to actually hit me. Wow. Uh, and I told the speaker of the house, I mean, afterwards I told him, I said, I said, I don't ever want that to happen again. I said, I don't expect as a representative that when I, when I do my, my constitutional oath, my duty, what I've been voted in to do to sit there and have another representative come over and sit there and basically start threatening me and intimidating me because of what I can do on the floor to be able to sit there and just call out mm. legislation when it's do nothing legislation. And by the way, so this, I want to say another thing on, on this legislation. Uh, I called it out for what it is. That there was, there's already laws on the books specifically, explicitly in the state of Indiana on the issue of, of coercion and intimidation. In other words, you cannot intimidate, coerce, threaten anybody into doing anything, A, that is illegal. And, and also, even if, even if it's legal, you mm -hmm. cannot threaten or coerce them into doing something. And I, and I called them out on that on the floor. I said, this bill has nothing to do with even protecting women from being forced into mm -hmm. an abortion because we already have laws on the books and that's and trying to just basically create a law that's already on the books to make it look like you're doing something when you're really doing nothing. It's just a bunch of do nothingness. Yeah. And I said, on all, and I said, and, and let's just call it what it is. This is just so that you base, you guys can basically look good and smell good. And you guys being the establishment, mm -hmm. the other Republicans to look good in this upcoming election saying how you love babies and how you want to protect women. 
And I'm like, no, I said, any bill that basically comes to the end and it says, still says, but yet you can still murder your baby. That's bad legislation. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, that just goes back to, uh, well, one, I don't even know how you would even enforce that law. <laughs> just thinking well, about that's it logistically. Like a part of it, if you're being coerced or threatened, you're not going to say, you know, you're not necessarily going to say it's yeah. not even, like he said, it doesn't even protect the woman yeah because it doesn't i don't i don't know yeah yeah well this actually is going to tie in nicely to the to the discussion we're going to have later but yeah i mean again it just goes back to this idea of of the women being a victim which they can be but again that's the exception not the rule um and you're right like most women aren't going to be like hey uh mr officer over there i'm being coerced. Right, you know right. what i mean like um so like it's <laughs> it is it's really just it's like fluff like let's yeah. see how much we care about yeah the women yeah. we don't want them to be coerced but exactly it's, but it's not really there's no actual enforceability right yeah, yeah yeah there's no it's it's just an absolutely you know worthless type of uh, move there because the abortionists and those working for the abortionists um it's up to their discretion to say hey look uh, you're being coerced this is against the law why did they not do that before? Because there's already laws in the book for coercion, right? Right. Yeah. So right. they, it's a money-making industry, of course. It's in, like you said, it's just, it's worthless, and all it does is make these pro-life uh, representatives look good, so that they continue to, you know, gain support, and then pro-life uh, ministries and organizations can just continue to profit off their donors by showing them some quote-unquote fruit of their ways, which is. It's nothing it's it's worthless it's doing the opposite it's just causing more babies to die mm -hmm. so sad. yeah yeah exactly and so again just to, to show the difference you have john and kurt's bill that's saying we're gonna we're gonna criminalize the end abortion immediately equal protection for the pre-born for all life um and the republican establishment could have even got it out of committee to vote for it but said they squashed it and said we're gonna do this fluff bill that does absolutely nothing you know, and so that's what we've been trying to show. Because most people, when we say that's what's going on, they're like, "You're you're crazy," <laughs> and it's like, "No, actually, this is what's happening." Um. So my next question then is, who is the, uh, who's the big, the big guns for the the pro life industry in Indiana that is calling the shots behind the scenes that we can put on blast? Well, uh, I do not know. I know the the person that was active in the state house with indiana right to life was kathy humbarger but she has since just recently retired and i don't know who her replacement is okay so but indiana right to life, right to life. specifically though is the culprit uh who, whoever the present director is for indiana right to life they would be the ones that are working with the republican establishment to ultimately see that the protection of life bill is killed every year and and they've come out they've just specifically come out against the bill and telling republicans why they cannot vote for this bill got it okay thank you that's that's helpful because you know here in arizona we know who it is it's her we've mentioned her name and i'm going to mention it again kathy harrod we're gunning for you um and the uh what is it the center for arizona policy they're they're the ones that that are not helpful here in arizona um so Okay, so moving on then, because because I know this is this is huge, and I want I want you to tell people um, how hard the 
Republican establishment is trying to keep you and Kurt and and others, other others that are like minded like you in ending abortion. How hard are they trying to make sure you don't get reelected? Oh, they're they're working at least one and a half million dollars hard. They've literally they when they re so we in every every ten years in India so every in the Indiana Constitution every every ten years when the census data comes out they have to redistrict everything. So yeah. last fall they redistricted everything. They they hacked up my district. Even the Democrats said they gerrymandered John Jacobs district, and uh, you know which is really the People's district. And they they redistricted Kurt Nisley in with another representative so that they could put the money behind the, the current one of the other current incumbents and actually leverage him against Kurt. They put at least a million, at least what we understand is a million dollars behind uh, to Kurt's with behind Kurt's opponent to try to get him out. And they put at least a half million dollars behind my opponent. Um, they actually had to go through four different people to finally get somebody that would run against me. You know, just that, that's just a long story. I mean, one people that were going in and out, some people didn't want to. They asked, they had, they asked somebody who was running for Congress, another friend of mine, and they, he said, no, John's a friend. I'm not doing that. Another guy had a lawsuit against him. He, he stepped out of the race. Another former rep, she, she chose not to, uh, to run. And the Republican establishment had actually specifically gerrymandered the district to make sure that they could cut in two of these candidates right up front. But anyway, they chose not to run. And so they were scrambling, trying to find somebody to run against me. And the issue is it's just ultimately to shut us up. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll use this as, as another, just a, an explicit example of how this is represented. So when you talk about the race, when I, I, I had a conversation with the Speaker of the House, uh, Representative Todd Houston, and during the session, and I had gone to him complain about some other issue that was happening on the floor, and he was basically, he was basically dismissive, being dismissive of me, and he immediately pivoted to my conversations on the floor. And he said, you know, John, he said, the, our colleagues, our, the, other, the other people in the caucus, i.e. the Republican caucus, they're very uncomfortable with you calling abortion murder on the House floor. Mm. Because every time I, I got an opportunity to get up, and it, if it had anything to do with life, I wanna make my speech related to that, I wanted to be able to say abortion is murder. Hey, by the way, did I say abortion is murder? Oh yeah, abortion is murder. <laughs> well, they were getting sick and tired of it. So the Speaker of the House told me what the other, my other colleagues were saying. And I said, well, Mr. Speaker, I said, you're a Christian. I said, do you not believe abortions murder? Silence. Wow. He immediately wanted to pivot back to just what they were saying, and he didn't want to answer the question. And uh, I'm like, wow, okay, there you have it. So why do they do that? Why do they shy away from using biblical terms as Christians? Why won't they call it murder? I'm not sure I can answer that other than I don't I don't think that they, I, I think they somehow or another have bought in somehow to the lie that somehow women are just victims yep. in this whole thing right. and that they just they want to continue to that's something that they do beat that women are victims. And I'm like uh, and I understand sometimes that may be the case where they're, they're just actually being coerced in the situation. But the vast majority of the time we know women go in there of their own free will. Yeah. What uh, what district are you in, John, for those listening? Uh, House District 93, basically the south side of Indianapolis, and uh, it's, yeah, it's. Excellent. So if you're in Indiana, you can 
uh, definitely go and help. Or if you're not in Indiana, you can go and, and help John as well. But just you to show. Check, you can, okay, my, my website is voteforjohnjacob.com is my website. It has my bio and what I've been doing. And then my my political page, uh, my Facebook political page, it's John Jacob State Representative, which has been a great tool for us to leverage against the Republican Party. It's amazing. I mean, what God has really done. I mean, and I also give a lot of accolades to my social, one of my campaign managers and my, and my, he's my social, he's, he operates social media and literally uh, two years in for me, I'm my, my Facebook page is literally bar none. It is the largest uh, political, largest Facebook social media presence out of all 150 legislators wow. out of the house out of the representatives and senators and these, these are people who've been around some of these some of them have been around for decades and with that i've been able to pivot and put when they've been doing stuff that ticks people off when it ticks the voters off ticks the people out off out there mm-hmm. i let them know about it and so it's put a lot of a lot of uh exposure on the do nothingness of the Republican Party in yeah. Indiana, so they, they so that I've been able to use that to put pressure on them. So that one's John Jacobs State Representative, and I really need, I really do need campaign donations. I don't need the half million dollars that my opponent does, but I do need at least a good portion to be able to to pivot to be able to speak to the voters about what I really stand for. Because I mean, I'm I just spent my afternoon out here in the cold, and I'll be doing this all the way up till May third, knocking doors. And when I tell people. You know, hey, this is what I do. This is what I represent. This is what I did for you. This is what I have done. And I, I, I've fulfilled on all my campaign promises and more. And they're like, oh, yeah, I want to vote for you. I don't want to vote for that person. I'm like, well, you know what? I need I need campaign campaign donations to be able to get that messaging out to people. She's obviously got no shortage of funds from mm-hmm. the establishment to get her message out, you know, through all sorts of, you know, through TV and everything else. I don't have that kind of money. So just to put this into perspective, I think what's a typical state rep uh, fund you need about 50 grand, right? For an election somewhere around there, maybe a little well, more. Well, actually about the average, the average state state race is uh, house race is about 20, I believe 20, Darren was telling me this afternoon, I think it was like 25 to $30,000 okay. the average race. So, and that's between the primary and the general election. So around, you know, 50 to $60,000 between both for both okay but again but again keep in mind when you're when you're talking half a million dollars in yeah. a race i literally had a voter at, at the door was like half a million dollars are you kidding me for a house race i'm like yeah i said this is how bad they want me out right exactly. so but but i do i don't need a half a million dollars but i definitely need more than the average sure you know for what would we typically run on a house race yeah absolutely well that and that just shows again the perspective of how much money they actually are uh, pouring into this um so yeah you guys can go and and uh and and help him out that'd be awesome and uh, i think this is a good opportunity to talk about real quick uh our friend don mays who's zach's brother-in-law husband to desi mays half of provoked he just got himself on the ballot here in arizona and we're very excited for him he's gonna be running for for house here in arizona nice. and if he gets elected he will be putting in our equal protection act next year so uh, very excited for that. You can go to Don Mays for House, right? That's right. Dot yeah. com, I think, is what it is. So, yep. uh, good dude. Um, so, um, I want to go ahead and transition then to the to what Abby Johnson said. I'd say some people in the chat are asking, um, and uh, you can see John is very uh, very well represented the Hoosiers uh, today. Uh, are you a, are you an IU fan? 
Or did you just do you just you didn't mean okay? <laughs> Are you a Pacers fan? Or you just don't care? I don't so, care. So <laughs> I I didn't do this on purpose. I so I'm I basically from Chicago. I said I said it from Indiana, but the the area of Indiana I'm from it basically is included into into Chicago. So I wore my Bulls hat today. I didn't mean to start like a, a, a basketball war, but thankfully John doesn't care. So, um, yep. Anyways, I just wanted to say that same colors at least. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, so, okay. So, um, transition to, to Abby Johnson. So she, if you don't know who Abby Johnson is, she's been one of the premier opponents for us, uh, in the pro-life industry. Um, and John actually doesn't know, doesn't know what she said yet. So he, I'm, he's going to hear this for the first time, but, um, she, if you don't know who she is, she's, she's Roman Catholic. I've actually done a number of talks where I've, I've mentioned a lot of stuff she said, um, which is very much, um, anti what we're trying to do. And so she's Roman Catholic. She has, you know, a, a false gospel and, and her, her, um, approach to ending abortion has been very much the woman is a victim. Um, that's been one of her biggest things. That's, you know, what we've been talking about, right? They refuse to call the the mother a victim um who's hiring an assassin to to murder her child um and that's why i read the verses i did at the beginning um obviously most people would say well yeah that's the the abortionists they're they're the ones we're murdering the child yeah but someone has is paying them to do it and um so we're going to get into the to the weeds here a little bit with that um before i do that do you guys want to add anything about abby i'm i'm very i was actually i heard this and i was like I was like, praise God. Yeah. Like I, I was very encouraged what she was saying because, um, she's, (laughs) she's been fighting us on this. So I was like, all right, she's listening to somebody and like they, they can't keep, uh, the pro-life industry can't keep squashing this and ignoring it. They have to have a response at some point. So I'm going to go ahead and pull this clip up. Gabe, if you can get that up, let's see right there. Um, I'll go full screen here. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and play it. It's only like a, it's not a very long clip. It was taken from a longer interview, um, but that's going to give us plenty to talk about. So she was on a show called, uh, well, it was Turning Point, Turning Point USA. So, uh, here we go. And if, if, if we're going to act like it, then I think that, you know, there has to be penalty under the law for, um, for taking the life. So I'm gonna pause right there. So, um, what she's what she's saying is, um, if we're gonna act like it, she means if we're gonna act like all lives matter, if the child in the womb is a life, is a baby, is a human from conception, which she would agree to. Um, she's saying if we're going to act like that, there has to be penalties. Which yes, and amen. A lot yeah, of people okay. in the pro life movement would disagree with you on this. You know, Abby. I know. I know they would. Um, now I'm not saying that, you know, we, that we have to lock every woman up or, or whatever. That's not what I'm saying, but I, I, I have come to a position where I, I believe that, um, that there does need to be due process. Um, and there would be some women who have absolutely been forced and coerced or just completely making, in, ignorant and have no idea completely ignorant have no idea what's going on um you know their friend their their parents have forced them into making this decision should they be prosecuted absolutely not um but there are women who are 
very knowingly, very selfishly making the decision to have nine, 10, 12 abortions Mm. who are taking abortions on the steps of the Supreme court out in the open, who are taking the abortion pill on national TV. Um, Do I believe that those women should go through some sort of, of possible prosecution for the murder of their child? Um, Yeah. I think there should be some justice there and I think there should be some due process. And, and so I, 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 I have sort of come to a different uh, opinion on that as, as I've watched our, our culture change. So again, it wasn't very long, but again, I'm incredibly, incredibly encouraged uh, by that. And again, this goes back to what we were, we were just talking about and what we've been saying for, for a while now is that um, the, there are, are there women that are coerced <laughs> going back to Indiana law? Yes, absolutely. Or forced to. Yes, absolutely. Um, but if, if these laws that we're trying to put in into effect actually were voted into place, um, that doesn't just it, it would immediately criminalize abortion. But what's that mean? What that means is if someone has an abortion, it goes through the justice system like she's talking about. Right. There is a due penalty to that. There would be a trial there. It would go to court, you know, and if they if it could be pr- proven that she the mother was coerced, say, like, you know, like she mentioned the by her parents say it's her mom it's the grandparents then that are guilty right they're the ones that are guilty of of murder right um or if it's the dad he's guilty of murder and she would be found innocent that's how murder should be should be handled in general right and that's what's not happening that's what the pro-life establishment pro-life industry is is not allowing for because they just want to say all women are innocent all women don't know what's happening now again there are exceptions to that um but the rule like she just said like there's women on national tv you know that have had nine abortions like that's the rule that's what that's what pastor zach sees day in and day out that's what john's seen day in and day out at the at the abortion mill is women that go in there they know exactly what they're doing right um it's a vast majority of them. yeah they're not innocent they know exactly what's happening and and so to hear abby say this and even to like be calling it murder which the pro-life industry is like John just gave a perfect example. The pro-life industry has been very, very careful not to do that. Um, she just did it. And I, I'm, I, when I saw this, like I said, I was blown away and I was like, praise God, this is huge. This is really important. And it, it and I'm hoping that the conversation is now shifting um, to a more biblical perspective away from uh, this nonsense we're fighting. So go ahead, jump in. What do you think, John, about what you just heard Abby say? That's encouraging. I mean, it's 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 a it's a far cry from where she was at just you know what two three years ago. I mean, when it, when a lot of the Indian abolitionists were jumping in on her page, and she was just instantly just being very childish and being and, and instantly blocking us, you know, for any dialogue about the issue. And it's it's hard because there's a lot of people in the pro life movement who I think would move towards abolition, who are who don't know really where Abby Johnson stood. So they thought that Abby Johnson was very much, you know, for that she would be for abolition. And and we tried to explain to her at the time before this speaking event for Abby, you know, we were just trying to tell people, no, Abby Johnson is not for abolition. She has actually been fighting abolition bills historically. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I mean, I don't look, you know, it's just as, as it is with everybody, I guess, I don't, I don't, I'm not looking for people to be my enemy. I just want people, I want people to do and address the issue of the preborn being 
murdered. I want them to address the issue of the Holocaust. Now, if, if, our, if our opponents now come on board and are willing to fight with us, then I'm all for it. You know, I'm not I'm not wanting to push people away yeah. if they're wanting to come on board and help with this. So I'm, gl- I'm glad this is, a, this is a good step in the right direction. You you brought up a very, very great point. I want to just jump on here quickly. That's something that we've been saying for for a while is we need to win the pro-life industry. We need to win those people in there to our position. Right. We yes. need to show them we need to lead the way and show them this is the correct way to do it. this is how god and his word would dictate that we handle this and not make them our enemies and there's unfortunately so many people within the abolitionist camp who we would agree with on 99 percent probably of 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 ending abortion um that that want to make them our enemies um and we're like no like no i'm not saying everyone in that that calls himself pro-life i'm i'm talking just so you know this there's so many people that are pro-life i was pro-life i mean i still call myself pro-life but like until we like realized what was going on behind the scenes, you know, pro-life was electing uh, Republican candidates and, you know, hoping that SCOTUS would overturn Roe v. Wade. That was, that's what the majority of pro-life people think is, is the way to do it. Um, and we need to win those people because they don't know there's another way. They don't know there's a better option. Um, but the, the people that we're talking about that need to be called to repentance would be people like Abby, or like the people you mentioned in in, in Indiana Right to Life um, that are actively um, blocking these equal protection bills from going into place. They're the ones that know exactly what they're doing and are misleading the majority of those in the pro-life camp. Um, so I'm glad that I'm really glad and thankful that you mentioned that we don't need to make them our enemies. We need to win them to the truth. Yeah, we can't make them our enemies, right? Because you're talking about 25 potential candidates for civil magistrate positions in your state, how are yes. we going to vote them in without the pro-life movement? Right. Right? So we want to win them to a proper ideological system that's congruent with scripture, which would be the abolitionist ideological system. We want to win them to that, not just attack them, because then we'll right. just galvanize them against us and what we're trying to do, right? So it's attacking an ideological system. You know, the Apostle Paul says to tear down these things, but not attacking people. I think that's where we went wrong. And I think the way forward, if we're going to vote people into positions of power who we need to be there to see these bills go through, and in your case, vote on these bills to have them go through, we got to win the pro-life movement because they're our voting base. They are the voting base to get these people, to get, you know, godly people where they need to be. What do you and think? I've been pretty yeah. clear about my position as as an abolitionist and when I ran. I, as, and as far as I know, uh, and we talked about this within Indiana abolitionism, I think I'm, I was the first openly uh, open open abolitionist that was elected to to a uh, representative or senator position in the United States. So I, I and I'm not saying I know there's other magistrates that were abolitionists but they were already in office or they and they mm-hmm. became abolitionists after the fact so and we talked about this in depth in indiana it's like well do we want to use the word abolition and i know that there's the purists within the abolitionist movement that were saying well you got to use the word abolition it's like i'm not opposed to the word abolition it's right. just that the vast majority of the people i knew when i went to the door and i talked to people within you know, within campaign literature on social media or at the door talking to people face to face i knew that that I was going to lose people. They were just going to, sure. their eyes were going to glaze over when it came to the issue of abolition. So 
what we came up with was was wording that we felt like would be couched within my campaign platform. It was that way, that I was 100% pro-life, and, and I said, "Let me explain what that means." It means that that I am, I am, I am for all preborn lives. I'm not just the right. I'm not for right the right to some lives yes. as RPL is. I'm the right to all preborn lives. All preborn lives are created in the image of God, and therefore they should all be protected. We should end abortion immediately. We should defy the federal government, defy SCOTUS, and we should operate on the 10th Amendment and that we should just end abortion immediately in the state of Indiana. And yes, I understand that's going to go to court and all that stuff. But look, a lot of the regulation of do-nothing regulation bills go to court anyway. So we wanted to change the, the discussion so that we could discuss abolition but be able to educate people for those people who truly were for abolition. And I'm finding it, there are a lot of people at the door that are sick and tired of what the Republican Party is doing, and they would like to see an end to abortion. They were, when I explain what the abolition bill does, they're like, on board, sign yeah. me up. You know, so, and we, we stopped. Uh, in, in Indiana, I think a lot of the abolitionists, we realized that we didn't need to just intentionally alienate the people that were in the pro-life movement who were abolition-minded. They just don't know they're abolition-minded. Right. So we thought, you know what? We're going to start coming to these events and everything and trying to find those people who were abolition-minded but yet don't know it mm. and trying to educate them on, oh, we can do that? We can end abortion in Indiana immediately? Yes, we can. And this is how we can do it. And they're like, wow, sign me up. So we are, I believe we are winning in Indiana. I think that the, the, the movement is growing in Indiana Praise because God. of that. And we're not trying to intentionally alienate people. We're not compromising the abolition position, we're, but we are educating people so that they understand what it is that abolition is all about. Yeah, man, praise God for that. And and this, what I'm about to say is going to get get me in trouble with some abolitionists, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Um, but uh, there's there's a there's a, a some f ideology that says that people need to repent of being pro life, and um, I'm of the, or we are of the mindset that, well, one, that's not biblical. That's uh, not a sin in the Bible to repent of. Um, but um, being pro-life isn't a sin. Like we just, like you said, we need, like I said, we need to win those people. We need to show them the correct way. What people need to repent of is apathy and cowardice and laziness. That's, those are actual sins in the Bible that need to be repented of. Um, being pro-life isn't a sin. And, and like, I love how you said it. I'm hundred percent pro-life. We're saying like, we are truly pro-life. That's how we were. It's the same, the same idea, but, um, we truly are pro-life. We're Christians because we stand on God's objective standard of, of what, um, defines pro-life. And so, uh, so I, I'm, I'm so thankful, so thankful that you said that and, and how you described that. Um, I was going to say one other thing in there. The one thing I did add in there is also I'm hundred percent pro-life, no exceptions. Love I it. want to end all abortion Love immediately. Yeah. And that's that's another thing. My, my opponent, actually, the, the Republican establishment, when they did this, they actually stole my 2020 platform language. And my opponent is actually using my 100% pro-life language. And I'm thinking, you're a flat-up liar. You're mm. actually flat-up lying because the establishment has actually fought me on that language. There's no way in the world they're going to get behind you and support that language. Yeah. So I started having to realize that I had to even pivot my language and be more explicit to be able to show that I'm not that, I'm this. And to make my abolition platform clearer to the people. And as I am doing that, people are saying, yeah, I'm going to vote for you. I'm not voting for her. 
Yeah. Well, but that also shows you that what you're doing is working. Yeah. Because right. you're defining the terms, right? right. And they're and defining the terms properly. <laughs> and and they're saying, you know what? Uh, we need to use that same language, even if they're being dishonest. Um, so that right. that shows you that you're shifting the conversation. Um, and you know, and you know what I'm what I'm going to say because it's Rusty Thomas's favorite thing to say is the paradigm shift, right? Like you're shifting the language, you're shifting the paradigm. Yeah. And and so praise praise God for that. Yeah, I just hope we can go back and like cut out or or pull out the little clip where you explain your methodology there, right? Of educating them, of letting them know you're actually an abolitionist. You just didn't know about that. Going at it with graciousness and understanding and patience. And bringing them to a destination ideologically, that is the key. And I think that's why you're where you are. And I think anybody wanting to replicate, hopefully, what you're doing in Indiana should listen to that carefully. Because it's the grace, it's the grace of God and his sovereignty. I mean, it's ultimately why you're where you are. But it's also him through you using that particular methodological system that has gotten you to where you are. It's so important. Amen. I agree. Joy, you're wearing your fearfully and wonderfully made pro life t shirt. I am my one hundred percent pro life. Yeah. T shirt. Without exception. <laughs> without exception. I should put we should add that this baby lover without exceptions. <laughs> you have anything you want to add to that? No, I'm just I mean, yeah, that's a huge change with Abby. I obviously, you know, it's not perfect, but that's kind of how it looks when you're headed somewhere sometimes it doesn't yeah. look like you're yeah. there yet <laughs> because if you have any other uh you know view on that particular subject right it's like absurd right you have to shoehorn yourself into an absurd position right. to say murderers shouldn't receive any type of penalty right right because that's ultimately what they're saying mm -hmm. so that's why I, i'm glad she's come to that but it's just so common it's just common sense right, right. yeah yeah and you know the I, I think the encouragement from that obviously is just that she continues to follow that to its logical yeah destination destination then conclusion. then yeah then she's close to the biblical <laughs> position it's, it's just kind of it's funny because we're like yeah abby you're you're coming into the understanding but it's just we're simply saying people who murder innocent human beings should be held right. accountable for that right yeah it's, it's like when they right. asked trump remember he's running in 2016 they're like hey do you think women should be punished for killing their babies you know for having abortions and his response was yeah right <laughs> yeah it's pretty it. it's, it's simple. simple i mean mm -hmm. you look at that and you're so thankful she's coming to that conclusion which we are but and then in another sense you're like doy yeah <laughs> i mean well, that's and, the only you know, logical conclusion. lord willing yeah. she'll say the same thing yeah. one day i've yeah. done you know i'm sure we've all done we've all had our doy moments like oh okay <laughs> sure, you're right. wow absolutely <laughs> well without getting too far into the weeds here i mean john told us before that he was you know he was saved out of roman catholicism and right and ultimately like what people don't realize is it's rome that's driving this um pro-life industry ideology right the reason they won't call women murderers is because that is a mortal sin that you cannot be a part of the roman catholic church if, if you've committed a mortal sin you can't be saved from that and um and it's like literally like the first one listed as a mortal sin. And so there's there's a huge even theology behind that that's driving that. And most people don't know that most 
evangelical Christians who are against Roman Catholic theology don't understand that what's driving that ideology is Rome. And, uh, and so that's, that's super important. Well, it's very important, uh, that we define what's actually happening as murder yeah. because that's what the actual, if, if, if there's a crime committed and there's a victim, that means that there is a process which makes that victim whole, which is justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't, justice can't be, it can't be fabricated. You mm-hmm. can't pretend you right. got justice. Um, and so a huge part of, you know, even if you, the, I think a huge part of the play here historically has been the ignorance, which even, was alluded to in that interview with Abby. Some people are just ignorant. And it's like, well, I'm not ignorant about what murder is. It's been clearly defined for me mm-hmm. by the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So, you know, it, it's it's so that's been that's that's the game they're playing, yeah. which is if if we can't if we don't clearly define it, then we can still say women are ignorant of what's going on. Sure. But that's not really the case. That's just a that's a play. That's a con. Um, because largely people are completely aware of what happens when, um, uh, I mean, <laughs> of what happens when you, uh, what, what it takes to reproduce and create a, per- a person <laughs> that's right. very clear. Um, we're clear about what it is. We're clear about what the baby becomes or starts out as completely. Um, and so, yeah, it's just all the, de- the definition is so important because all absolutely that's where you that's where all these little like you're talking about just absurdities that's mm-hmm. where these absurdities exist that's where they're allowed to exist because you can kind of i mean in absurdity land you yeah. can just say whatever you want whatever to you get want. to your ultimate position exactly. but it's so important to be defining these things because all that ambiguity is just where yeah mad foolishness i guess is the the best word yeah because you can get away with whatever you want i mean and that's the situation when you redefine what murder is not looking at it of course the way that god defines it um horrible things happen when we put our own definitions into what god has already clearly Mm -hmm. defined Mm -hmm. right horrible 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 things happen when you you think about it's the dehumanizing of the baby it's calling a baby not a human. Right. And so we've redefined what we know to be true. And then it's open game on that particular people group. Same yeah. thing in 20th century Germany. Same thing during the yeah. slave trade. We right. take No, they're not human. And mm-hmm. so it's just, I think it's really the enemy's tool to just absolutely victimize a certain yeah. uh, segment of the populace right. when you can take away what we know to be true about them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I was just going to say, speaking of absurdity, and I don't know if you you saw this, John, did, if you guys saw the bill that's being introduced in Maryland or was just introduced. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have it. I'm going to give you a rough outline of what this bill is because I'm not entirely sure how it works yet. But essentially, it, uh, this is Bill 669 in, in Maryland, essentially legalizes the murder of children during the perinatal period so not prenatal perinatal essentially is like 30 days before birth and 30 days after so it 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 eliminates the criminalization of the murder of children 30 days before birth and 30 days after and essentially from what i was told um from what i understand is it it makes it so there can't even be like an investigation 
after. Wow. It's insane. Yeah, like that's absurd. I don't think so. I think it just was introduced. Yeah, I don't think it will pass from what I hear. But the fact that they're that brazen to (laughs) even introduce that is crazy. I don't even understand that. So 30 days after, what is that? How many weeks? Seven weeks after Uh, the movie? It says from the 20th to 29th week of gestation to one to four weeks after birth. Okay. So the baby's crying, the baby's cooing, smiling, um, breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. drinking. So they can, what, bring the baby to a facility to have the babies just killed? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. So there's, you think about an abortionist and an abortion clinic, it's going to be filled with babies. Right. That that they're going to bring into a back room for that doctor to cut the spinal cord. Yeah, I don't. That can't, that, no, I mean, you war. could that's, never. we got to go to war now. Yeah. <laughs> you mean, could, yeah. It's insane. But that's what. That's insane. That, that's wicked. Yeah, that's where the left is headed. So. Um, yeah. Well, we, and they're putting that. I mean, I guess that's really ultimately the, the importance of what you're doing, John, is that they're doing something about it. And we're going to also. If they're going to be so brazen as to say yeah. you can kill your already born child when that's, I mean, that's so far past the argument they already made uh, however many decades ago, right? Yeah, how do we respond to that? That's, I just. But that means we need people, We, and we don't even just need people as a presence in front of uh, abortion mills. We need people as a, we need state, we need representatives, we uh-huh. need senators, we need course, yeah. people who can. Um, actually get in there where the stuff's happening yeah men like john jacob yeah i think i think uh you know you asked me what are we doing in indiana this is something else i was thinking about this is something as i speak across the state i think the other issue is is yes we we need more i think we need more principled born again believers in the political realm but i i think that one thing I think I really harp on is the issue of the church. The church, Amen. I had to repent of my apathy. I think the church in America has predominantly become saltless and lightless. And I tell people, and I have people that I go to church with, I mean, other believers, you know what? We as a church are the first people that need to step up of our apathy mm. and be the salt and light and bring the gospel into conflict with the culture. And we need to bring the gospel not only into conflict with the culture, but also with the political realm. Because Jesus yeah. Christ is Lord of Lords. He's King of Kings. By the way, that is a political term. Right. And yes, Amen. I don't care what your 501c3 says. You know, you you need, as a believer, need to be involved in the political realm. Because Jesus is Lord over all realms. And he is Lord of the political realm. And look, the Bible says, I mean, you know, in Proverbs, it says, when the wicked rule, the people groan. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm groaning. I'm groaning because there's we've abdicated the political realm to the wicked, and then we wonder why exactly. things are the way they are. Right. It's like we need to take this back. Absolutely, and uh, it's just it, it's frustrating. I mean, to me, it's a two pronged approach. It's it's the issue of the church repenting of its of its apathy, and then also not and specifically into the political realm, yes. and mm-hmm. and and bringing believers into the political realm and saying, yes, yeah. we can do this, and yes, Christ calls us to do that. Yep. To, to make disciples of all nations and yes that includes politicians yes amen uh man you you were preaching to the choir brother and, and i guess and zach and i always say it starts in the pulpit right it has mm-hmm. to start with pastors and and i'm so thankful that you said that that's how we approach things where so there's we have the two-pronged approach we have an abortion now which is our prophetic gospel driven side of things and then we have action for life which is our legislative arm that is still based upon biblical principles um and god's word is our objective standard, but there has to be that two-prong approach. So 
Thank you so much. I, Go ahead. I had, one, I had one thing, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, the, you know, we were talking about the paradigm shift on the education side. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I am finding is, is that, yes, Roman Catholicism has driven the right to life side with the issue of not being willing to call abortion murder. Yeah. But, you know, one thing I am finding encouraging is I'm talking to more and more Roman Catholics. They're, as we're talking about this paradigm shift overall and, and trying to bring people over to the idea of abolition, I'm encouraging. I'm encouraged to see that there are Roman Catholics who, once I start educating them on this issue, that they're willing to swing over to our side. Praise God. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, well, thank you so much, brothers, for being on here today. Again, let everyone know where they can go and support you. Voteforjohnjacob.com. It's my website. And uh, I have the giving link on there. It's a raise the money. Uh, giving link on the on the website right there on the the main my main page and then also my john jacob state representative uh facebook political page i do and a lot of videos a lot of stuff on there what i've been doing for the last two years on there they can check out you know what i'm all about on there that has a lot more information you know detailed information of what i've been doing here in the state of indiana awesome praise god hey um did we meet in connecticut in 2016 at an operation save america were you there? Uh, it was. I don't know if it was in. It wasn't in Connecticut. Like we met somewhere. I can't remember which. It was. I think it was at an OSA event. I can't remember where it was at though. Yeah, it may. It may have been Connecticut in sixteen or Indianapolis in. Well, 17. actually, you know what? Were you? I think the last time I saw you was. Were you at the uh, the Southern Baptist Convention? No. Okay. That was Zach Gorgon. I'm Zach Morgan. Oh, so. okay. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's like, are you serious? Is that <laughs> no, really no, a guy? No, I, I was like, I, made that up. I totally, I totally was like, wow, was that's like, like how your can that be? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I just want to tell you, I'm so thankful that's for you, weird. and uh, you're just Praise demonstration God. of manhood. <laughs> All glory to God. But um, I'm super thankful for everything you're doing. Thank you, oh, and I appreciate. God. I really appreciate you guys getting me on, having me on here. Yeah. For sure. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate, <laughs> that appreciate all you guys are doing. Oh man, same same with you, brother. We'll we'll, we'll stay in touch and and see how we can continue to help you in Indiana. So, uh, thank you, brother. Absolutely. Well, man, that was encouraging. Um, I'm gonna go ahead here and Gabe, if you could uh, pull that up. Uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> you know that <laughs> still uh, makes Zach me Gorgon. think of is uh, um. So you know how there's uh, the science curriculum, the apologia. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of their guys is named Jeff, uh, and his email is Jeff at apologia dot com. No way. Oh yeah. That's Do you right. know how many emails he has to forward yeah. to me? Ouch. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's rough. Yeah, it's not apologia dot com. It's apologia studios dot com or apologia church dot com. Right. Um, and it's not Zach Gorgon. It's. It's, like Gorgon. <laughs> it's like the upside down version of you. Zach yeah, your alter- your evil twin. Yeah. Oh uh, well. Uh, on that note, I wanted to <laughs> talk about uh, good old ReformCon 22. Woohoo! Uh, Gabe, I don't know if you pulled that up or not. I got the website up. Um, and we're very excited. We are going to be putting more speakers up this week. Right now, we have Pastor Jeff, uh, Pastor Toby, and David Bonson up. But again, uh, committed, we are already our Pastor James slash Dr. White, uh, John Sampson, Andrew Sandlin, Joe Flowers. Boot. Definitely not flowers. Most definitely not. Um, and there's a possibility there may be a debate on Saturday night. We're working on that, uh, possibly. And uh, we'll have, uh, I know we've been getting a lot of questions about sponsors 
we're going to have some amazing sponsorship opportunities. Um, we're going to have booths for sponsors. I know I've been being asked about podcasts. We are going to have a podcast row, so just be watching for that. We will announce that whenever everything's up, and it will be up soon. Um, we're going to have – I'm very excited about this. Um, so Thursday night – and, again, the dates uh, for that are October – E 27th to 29th here in Mesa. Um, but um, uh, Thursday night, uh, we'll have registration and then a time of fellowship with, with food for everyone. And then we are going to have an after party, which is oh. going to be really, really cool at the hotel. I'm very excited about that. So be watching for that. That will be an, an extra add-on you can get. Um, but uh, very excited for that opportunity. Um, so anyways, um, as always... Thank you, everyone. Um, by the way, that's reformcon.org. You can go to sign up right now and get your early bird tickets. They will be going up to regular price soon. So right now, uh, tickets are cheaper. Um, so um, as always, thank you so much, everyone, for your support. Um, so we can do Apology Radio. We can do Sheologians or Provoked. Uh, we can have guests on like John Jacob and... Um, that's here in Apologia Studios and within Abortion Now you and Action for Life, you you make it so we can help support men like John Jacob, who are incredibly brave and courageous and, and, and a blessing to not only the church, but to our nation and their local areas where they uh, have jurisdiction. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Zach Gorgon. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> See you later. Enjoy the girl. Bye. Oh, peace out. We'll be back next week, I promise. Bye. <laughs>